You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Before we, I get into the message, this past week I had an opportunity to do some schoolwork with, my, uh, with two of my kids, and we were looking at our nation as a Christian nation, and, and what that looks like, and, and just I wanted to take a moment to appreciate uh, those that have defended it, to be able to, to be veteran, those that are veterans this past week, as we had Veterans Day, to thank you for giving us a freedom to, to be here this morning in worship. And so if you uh, served in, in the military in any way, would you mind standing up so we could just thank you for, for your service. If you guys would, would stand, we'd appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. You guys will go ahead and pray with me. Lord, we just uh, lift up this, this next few minutes as we close out the book of Ephesians, as we look at the spiritual warfare that is real and all around us. God, we just pray uh, for, for that our ears would be open, that our eyes would be open to your word, and God, that you would speak in your name. Amen. Many times in my life, I feel like I've been in the presence of pure evil. You guys maybe have experienced that at times where, where the hair just kind of stands up on your arms, the, the moment that you just know something's not right here. I remember uh, in a back alley in Toronto, we were at this homeless shelter, and, and this drug addict was coming at me, and, and it just it was more than uh, a safety issue, it was a feeling of, of evil. I remember this time Sarah and I were walking in San Francisco, and we turned a corner, and there was just this presence I know, I remember a time that I walked into a home where a child has recently been abused and the evil that was there in that place. And one time, I had that feeling in my own home. When we were in Taiwan, we lived with the college students, with the female college students, and, and there was a, it was a three-story home, and our family lived on the second floor along with a few students, and then the other students lived upstairs. And, and any given night in Taiwan, when you look out, you'll see inside in windows, and there's red lights. And those red lights are, are uh, special lanterns that are used to, uh, it, to worship and to honor the local god, either that family god, uh, an idol, or the local neighborhood god. And so you'd look in and you'd see that among all the homes and you wouldn't see it in our bedroom, but in the bedroom above us, Sandy, when she moved in, set up her idols. And so Sandy was uh, not, not a believer by any means, but she was at this school to learn, the, to learn English. She wanted to improve her English, and so what she did so, and the school was set up that we would teach English using the Bible, but she'd never even heard the name Jesus before. And so every night, when, or on the first day when Sandy got there, she went up to her room and we came and, and made sure Sandy was all set up and that if she needed anything. And sure enough, in the window were her family gods. So these are gods that she worshipped, the ancestors that the family had been worshipping for, for many years. And, and at night, she lit her red candle and the flame burned throughout the night. And so she did this every night, as do most people in Taiwan, that she would have this moment to worship these, these false gods. Well, and that was in one room, and across the hallway in another room is Weiwei. Weiwei was a strong Christian uh, from an, another nearby country in Asia, and she was a strong Christian there to learn English because she wanted to be a flight attendant. And so Weiwei uh, came to us, and, and she was a, a strong Christian. She was a good believer, and so she would often be praying for Sandy. That term, that semester, Weiwei started getting headaches, 
She never had them before. She couldn't explain why, but she was getting these headaches that were just migraine headaches that would keep her up almost all night. That she, and they always began to seem to start every night when she was praying for Sandy. Well, one night in the middle of the night, or one night when she went to bed, she was praying for Sandy. And she was praying for Sandy to accept Jesus, that she knew the, the class Sandy was going through as we were introducing her in the book of Matthew. And she knew where the, the story was coming, that she was about to learn about Jesus and, and his death on the cross. And so she, Weiwei was praying specifically for Sandy. So Weiwei told us the next morning, she said, Mr. Matt, Miss Sarah, she came in a frantic panic that morning. She says, I have to tell you about what happened last night. And we said, oh, okay, wait, wait, what happened? She says, I was praying for Sandy as I always am. And, and about that time, I started to get a headache. And so I decided to go to sleep. And so I went to bed. And, and in the middle of the night, I woke up, but I couldn't move. My body was still. It was almost as if someone was holding down my body. She said, and I began to hear a voice that says, stop praying. Stop praying. And all, that's all I heard was this voice over and over and over. It was this e evil presence, this evil voice saying, stop praying. And I tried to get up to, to go to the restroom to, to splash water on my face, but I couldn't move my body. It was as if someone was laying on top of me. And she said, and then I started to lose my breath. I couldn't breathe. It was as if I truly felt someone was choking me at the neck. I felt pressure on my neck, cutting off my passage. And I just heard this voice, stop praying, stop praying. And in every effort I could, I cried out the name Jesus. And at that moment, the pressure on my neck stopped. At that moment, the room went silent. And at that moment, I was able to move. And I began to cry, and I went to the restroom, and I didn't know what to do. And so I've been up ever since, and I just wanted to come tell you, Mr. Matt, Miss Sarah, about what happened. And so we said, wait, wait, oh, we'll be praying with you. We'll pray for you. And so from then on, every night, Sarah and I went uh, outside every room and prayed that the name of Jesus would be over this place. I share that story because this evil is very real. Not to share a story that is scary, not to share a story that, that gives him more credit to the devil than he deserves, but share a story to, to reveal the, the truthfulness of this spiritual battle that Paul is about to talk about as we close out the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bibles or your journals, go ahead and open it up. And in this section, Paul gets into this idea of spiritual warfare. And oftentimes when we talk about spiritual warfare, there's two mistakes that we make. We'll often give too much credit to the spiritual forces that we say every bad thing is a, of, of Satan. You get hit a red light and oh, the devil's got me again. Giving too much credit, but then on the flip side is to ignore it. It's to, it's to put it aside and not realize that there is a spiritual realm all around us, that this battle is very real, going on for our souls and going on around us. And so in, in an effort not to ignore it and not to jump too far into it, we're going to dive into what Paul has to say here in the book of Ephesians. He's writing to this church in Ephesus, the good old Ephesians, as we've been tracking along. It's a, bunch of, it's a Christian church that he's writing to. And throughout this book, he's talked about unity. He's talked about how they're to live. He's talked about how to uh, be in, in their family, how to interact with their coworkers, uh, how to be a Christian. And here he gets to the end. His last opportunity to give advice to, remember, this is the people that he lived with for two years. These are the people that he loved. These are the people that he ate dinner with. These are the people that he went and celebrated a birth of a, of a child. These are people that he went to a funeral of a loved one. These are people he cares for, and this is what he ends his message with. 
is to go into this idea that they're in a battle. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It all starts there. This whole, this whole message, this whole idea starts there. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. We're going to look at the armor of God. We're going to look at how we go to battle against Satan. But it all starts with the mighty power is from God and it is in the Lord. And so he continues, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This maybe is a verse you've heard before that this is a very real battle. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's not one that we can see, but there is an intense spiritual battle going on around us that Paul is telling the church of Ephesians, God is telling us to be prepared for. The passage continues, something that you might be familiar with if you grew up around church, you saw the flannel gram of a, a suit of armor. It says, therefore, put on a full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So prepare. We're about to see what this looks like for us to prepare, for there is a spiritual battle that is going around for your soul, for mine, all around us. And what do we need to do? We need to prepare to be able to stand our ground, to stand firm for God. Verse 14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. For truth throughout the book of Ephesians has been important. In chapter 1, it introduces us, it reveals that the gospel is truth. In chapter 4, it talks about that we're supposed to speak truth. So this idea of the belt of truth is something that we're not only supposed to receive and to learn, but we're supposed to speak. Have you accepted the truth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for the forgiveness for our sins? This is the truth that we're supposed to prepare ourselves with but also be prepared to speak this truth. Are we ready to be able to share that with other people in the midst of this spiritual battle? The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covered the, the chest and the vital organs and righteousness is the same way. That this righteousness we're talking about is not the righteousness that comes with our salvation. That was a, that's a, a righteousness that we cannot lose, but this is a righteousness of righteous living. Throughout this book, remember Paul, this isn't a passage taken out by itself. This is part of a long letter. And Paul has been talking to the Ephesians on how to live. How to live morally. How to live without, uh, without lust. How to live with integrity. How to live honestly. How to live a righteous living that will protect you. Next, Paul shares, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. For a soldier, it's important that their feet were ready, that they had the right shoes, the right sandals to be able to go in any terrain and, and to be able to walk long distances, that they were fully ready. It's the same thing with us, that we are ready with the gospel. Are you ready at any moment to be able to share? If someone was to ask you tomorrow morning at work when you were just completely caught off guard, you're at the copy machine, hey, you go to church, don't you? Yeah, why do you do that? Are you ready for an answer? If there was an opportunity that someone asked you at a restaurant later today, hey, I know that you, I saw you have a fish on your car. Tell me about this Jesus. Are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared with the gospel to be able to point people to him? 
prepared with the word. So many times Christians say that they call themselves Christians, but they're not looking at their Bible except for just on Sunday when it's up on a screen. Are you familiar with the text? Are you walking with the Lord? The passage continues. Verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield wasn't a, a small shield. It was more like a, a, almost like a small door that they'd be able to kneel behind and it would prevent the arrows from coming through and penetrating the, the soldier. God is our protector. There's many passages, I've just chose two, but Psalm 1830 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Psalm 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart turns to him and he helps me. Are we turning to the Lord? It says, "My, My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. Does that describe who you are? That you find protection in the Lord and that, you're, that your soul rejoices and leaps for him. Paul continues on with this armor. It says, verse 17, take the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Helmet of salvation is essential to our walk with God. That we are saved that we have that knowledge that, that if we have put our, chase, our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that he died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins, that we have the salvation and that we have eternity promised for us in heaven. And then with that, that we are to grab the sword. This is the offensive weapon, right? This is the word of God. Not that we need to use the word of God to bash other people, but that we use the word of God to guide ourselves, to guide others, to be able to bring others to the Lord. This is an epic spiritual battle going on. And so Paul gives us this idea, this armor uh, of how to be prepared to face this, uh, that we're confident in our salvation, that we're confident in, in the word of the Lord, that we have this readiness, that we are ready for this battle because the battle is very real. Evil is very real. And there's this battle, a spiritual realm that is fighting for each one of us. And are we ready to be part of that battle? Then I love this. In a continuation of this passage, this is not a different point. This is a continuation that you've put on this full armor. But then verse 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer is an essential aspect to the battle we are facing that we are praying, that we are coming before the Lord, that we have this relationship, that we're engaged with the Lord, that we are coming to him. And I love this. Did you catch all the alls in that passage? On all occasions, rather come before the Lord in good times or bad throughout the day, come to him at work, come to him at home, come to him at school, come to him before meals, at bedtime, in the morning, when you're hurt, when you're suffering, when you're excited, when you're rejoicing, in all occasions. Then it says with all kinds of prayers and requests. Come to him with praises. Come to him with a broken heart. Come to him with tears in your eyes. Come to him at times when you're just saying, why, God, I don't understand why. Come to him at moments that you're saying, thank you, God, thank you. And all kinds of prayers and requests. And then it says, for all the Lord's people, to pray for others. 
to pray for those in your family, to pray for those that you don't know, to pray for others that are strong in their walk with the Lord and to pray for others that don't know the Lord at all, to pray for those that are seeking God, to pray for those that are stubborn, to pray for your, your spouse, to pray for your kids, to pray for your coworkers, your neighbors, your fellow students, for all. Because this is a very real spiritual battle. There's a story that I love when we talk about the spiritual battle. It's found in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings. There's a prophet named Elisha, and Elisha was going around, and he was ministering to the people, and he was trying to bring the nation of Israel back to the Lord, and he was, uh, he was performing miracles, and he was a man of God. Everyone that knew him knew that he was a man of God. And so there is a, a nearby country of Aram, and the king of Aram was trying to invade Israel. And every time he tried, there would be some opposition. Israel would be there almost as if they were waiting like they knew the game plan. The king was so upset that he thought there was a traitor on the inside and so he sought to find out who this traitor was and to have him killed and they said, no, no, it's Elisha. Elisha's a man of God and somehow God knows what you are going to do, king, and God tells Elisha, Elisha tells the Israelites and the Israelites are prepared one step ahead. And so the king of Aram says, we got to kill Elisha. Find out where he is and we're going to take him out. We're going to send an army for this one person. And so word gets to the king. We've, we have it in verse 13 and 14 when the king jumps into this. It says, 13, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men to capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. Elisha is in tune to God. God's been telling him every step that the king, king of Aram has been doing. Obviously, this is another one that God would have told him. But it's interesting that Dotham is a, is a city about 12 miles outside of Samaria. Elisha could have gone and, and hid and gone and been found protection within the walls of Samaria. And yet he stays in this small town. Because he knows his protection doesn't come from a wall. It doesn't come from man. It comes from God alone that God will protect him. And so, in verse 15, it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. This is Elisha. He's been sleeping in the tent and his servant, his job is to get everything ready in the morning, to go out, make the morning coffee, get the fire going, start breakfast, get Elisha's affairs in order. And so the uh, servant comes out, stumbles out of his tent early in the morning and puts a little coals on the fire. The fire lights up and as the sun comes up, his eyes are open. There's an army here to kill Elisha. He looks around and they're surrounded by chariots and soldiers, everyone in between, just waiting for the order to go to come and kill Elijah. And in the meantime, they'll be killing the servant as well. He says, oh no, he goes into Elijah's tent. Elijah, Elijah, look what's happening. You got to come see, we're doomed. Come see what's out here. And Elijah goes and looks and he says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, don't be afraid. If I was a servant, I'd be like, yeah, I'm afraid. Are you crazy? Do you not see what's going on? He says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The, the servant has seen all those that are with them. He's gone out and he's seen the chariots, the hillside full of soldiers. He's seen everything that, that they can see that he's surrounded. And yet, 
Elijah says, those who are with us is greater than those who are with them. So often we see those who are with them. So often we might see the, the struggles in before us. So often we might see the problems. So often we must, might see the, the hardships. But do we see that those who are with us is stronger than those who are with them? And it continues on, verse 17, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I love this story because it wasn't that Elisha just said to pray to the Lord, hey, calm his fears, give him peace. No, no. He said, open his eyes that he might see what I know is already here. And the servant's eyes are open and he sees a spiritual battle. That they're surrounded by the enemy, but, around, but the enemy is surrounded by flaming chariots and soldiers and horses. That there's this great spiritual battle and Elisha knows we are protected. God is here. And I love this story because the, the servant got the opportunity to see what is out there around you and I. That there's a spiritual battle going on. But the servant had the opportunity for his eyes to be open to see that those that are with us is greater than those that are with them. That those who are with Jesus, the power that Jesus has, the power of the spiritual realm is greater than anything Satan would be able to throw at us. Anything that he'd be able to attack us. The servant's eyes were only open. So as we close out looking at the spiritual battle. I'll tell you how that story ends really quick. We're not going to get into the text, but that the story ends that the entire enemies are struck blind, that the spiritual forces come, strike them blind. And Elisha then leads them into the, the city gates and into the, into the town in Samaria, and their eyes are open, and they realize they're in the enemy territory, and they're about to be killed. And Elisha says, no, no, give them something to eat. You don't need to kill them. Have peace. Back to Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. He's been telling them about this spiritual battle that's going on, preparing, them to the, preparing the Ephesians to be at battle. Because then, remember, in their town, there's this goddess uh, that uh, fertility that people are coming and worshiping. That They have to be strong as Christians because they are in a, a culture that is, that is sinful. They're in a culture that is, uh, that is not of God. Sound familiar? That we need to be strong because of we're in a culture that is not looking for the Lord. And so the passage continues. Paul says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray also that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I love this is encouraging because Paul is saying, pray for me. Like I look at Paul and think, man, that guy's got it all together. And yet he's asking for prayer. I think we could ask each other for prayer as well. To pray for me this week. Because there's a spiritual battle. That you, to pray for you this week. Because there's a spiritual battle. To look across and pray for one another. That we would be able to speak boldly for Jesus Christ. Paul closes the book of Ephesians with a, a goodbye to several people. And, but then I love this line. He says, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Is that you? 
Do you love Jesus Christ with an undying love? Are you passionate for him? Do you love him with everything we have? As the book of Ephesians has walked us through, are we, are we looking to, to Christ as a unifier to bring people together? Are we looking to Christ as the example for how we are to live? Are we looking to Christ to love him with an undying love? I hope so. I know there's a spiritual warfare out there. I got story after story, but to conclude that story about Weiwei, that night, that after the morning, she came and cried with us and, and asked for her prayers. So that night, Sarah and I went and prayed outside her room and Sandy's room. And we proceeded to do that every single night for the rest of that term. And you know what? Weiwei never had another headache that entire term. There's a spiritual battle. And there was spiritual forces that were impacting Weiwei, that were attacking her, that when she cried out the name of Jesus, that when we continued to pray, that there was protection. Weiwei never had another headache, but Sandy, Sandy continued to pray to her little gods. And then Sandy enrolled for the next semester and the next semester, and it took two years. But I'm excited to say that Sandy traded those little gods for faith in Jesus Christ and was baptized in the name of Jesus, two years later. She got rid of all those idols, and now she worships the one true God. She worships him with an undying love. And so, as we close out and go into the time of communion, I want to encourage you to spend a moment just between you and Jesus, thanking Jesus for what he did on the cross. Because of that, we know the victor. We know how this story, how this battle ends. We know that Jesus reigns supreme. We can spend this moment of communion thanking him that we are on the winning side of this battle. And that we would close with this verse, Ephesians 6, chapter 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Lord, we come to you right now and we pray that we can be strong in you, in your power. God, let this time of communion be a time that we can just meditate and be with you. Let this morning be a time that we can reflect that there is a spiritual battle. And God, open our eyes that we may see that those who are with us is greater than those who are with them. That whatever battle we are facing, whatever, uh, whatever opposition that the devil is throwing at us, that you are stronger. And that the name of Jesus is mightier than any other thing that could come at us. God, we lift this up in your name. Amen.